This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. I said... Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and I'm the TOS editor for the network. With me today, as always, is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, how's it going? It's going really good. Yeah. So we've got a cool announcement. We were recently chosen as finalists for the Parsec Awards. Mm-hmm. Best new podcaster slash team. So we're going to be down at DragonCon for the awards, Sunday, August 31st. So if, if anybody's around the Atlanta area or are traveling to the Atlanta area that weekend, uh, stop by DragonCon and maybe you'll run into us. Yeah, I'm assuming if most of our listeners are in Atlanta during that period, they'd probably be at DragonCon, right? I mean, that's the place to be. I imagine so. Yeah. So... So yeah, yeah, if you're there, let us know. All right, so Mike, we, we're finally going to do what we've talked about for, for many months now. We're going to talk about aspect ratios. We don't have our own show yet dedicated to it, but I guess this is like a preview, a sneak peek? It, it's, this is our uh, assignment earth um, for, for our, our aspect ratio show, I guess you could okay. say. Yeah, for those of you who don't follow us on Twitter or, or whatever, or for those of you who who do follow us on Twitter who may wonder why <laughs> we use the hashtag CTS to one all the time, as, as these things happen on Twitter, you know, someone says something and someone says something else and then someone says, I want to do a show, a podcast all about aspect ratios just to prove that it can be done, you know. <laughs> Like like a weekly show on aspect ratios, and then someone else says, "Oh, I would do that show with you," and then it just builds momentum and and uh, you know goes from there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, we came up with a title: C dot T S colon one C T S to one, because that's how ratios work and everything like that. And yeah, if if you're, you know, interested in aspect ratios and stuff like that, you may find this particular episode of of Standard Orbit to be interesting. If you don't know what an aspect ratio is and don't care, this may be the most boring episode <laughs> of Standard Orbit you will ever hear. I don't know. I spent I spent like 15 or 20 minutes explaining frame rates to somebody at a party this weekend and she she was just like you've opened my eyes to a whole new world. See? And and and, and hopefully that's what we do here, you know? That's what I'm hoping for. But I don't know. I'm a, I'm a huge aspect ratio nerd and this is quite possibly going to be the nerdiest podcast in the history of Trek FM. <laughs> so so be prepared. <laughs> But I'm ready. Okay. So before we get started, you know, what is an aspect ratio? For those people who don't know, it is quite simply the ratio of screen width to height. So it's essentially describing the shape 
of the screen that you're looking at when you're watching a movie or TV show. For example, standard television is 1.33 to 1, or 4 to 3, which is why we are doing this uh, on episode 43 of Standard Orbit. See, it's all... It's clever. All, yeah. He's so, been playing in this for a while. Yeah, just, just a while, but 1.33 to 1. That's the ratio of television now and and you know you, you'll well, notice then. well then sorry and and you'll notice like you know hd tvs are wider you know that is 1.78 to 1 so we, what we're talking about is the first number is the width compared to the the ratio of the the height the height being one the width being some other number so as the screens get wider the number gets higher okay right that's the basics of it. So, so why do we care? I don't know why you care, Drew, but I, I can tell you why <laughs> I care. <laughs> and and I, I care. I, I mean, to me, aspect ratios are important. It it's something that I never really noticed until going to see Star Wars Special Edition, and I was like, "It's so much bigger! Like, there's so much stuff happening on the sides that right. I've never seen before," and then. I don't remember how I looked it up because it was only 97. I think my, my neighbor who went with me uh, to the special edition explained, well, you know, things are widescreen. You know, you can get laser discs with widescreen and you can see more of the sides and stuff. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. This has changed my entire life. Yeah, because it's like all of a sudden these movies which you've memorized, you know, backwards and forwards have new stuff in them that, that you'd never known about. I mean, like, one of the big revelations to me in Star Wars was, was actually in Empire Strikes Back when uh, they're in the asteroid field and that asteroid mm -hmm. comes and hits the, the tower on the Star Destroyer and then they cut to Darth Vader talking to the three dudes over the, the radio and the one guy goes, ah, and disappears. Yeah. In, the, in the original pan and scan of, of Empire, you'd never see that guy. It's like, yeah. whoa, they just, they just killed that guy. Oh, my God, that's hardcore, you know? For me, it was... I remember the first time that I saw it in, in the special edition, which was when uh, Leia is being interrogated by Vader, you know, in the hallway. And he's like, you're a part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take her away. And then in the next shot, Vader's talking to that Imperial officer. I always wondered where the heck that guy came from. Because yeah. it's just like, it's just like he turns a corner and there's a guy next to him. That guy was there the whole time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, like, and this is also gets into why, you know, some people may still be confused why occasionally you'll be watching a movie and there will be black bars on the top and bottom of your screen, like Star Trek movies, for example. That's because the aspect ratio of that movie is wider than the aspect ratio of your television, so they shrink the picture down to fill the whole screen. And like the first time that this was described to me or that I read about it was um, in, in a, a TV guide when they were going to be showing 2001 letterboxed mm -hmm. on uh, like, I don't know what channel, like TBS or something like that. And they were saying like, we're going to show the movie in, you know, pan and scan at like seven o'clock and then at midnight it's going to be letterboxed. And then they had a thing in there explaining what it was. And I'm so like, that you didn't call and complain, right? And I'm like, wow, this is really cool that they're doing this, you know. And I'm like, but is this a typo? Why are they showing the letterboxed one at midnight? Clearly, that's the one that everyone's going to want to see. That's mm -hmm. weird to me. 
And then when I would describe it to people, people would be like, you know, what's, why are there black bars? And I'm like, wow, people don't like this. What is wrong with people? I never <laughs> understood it. And it's, it's like this weird thing where to me, like it, it's always been a very straightforward, simple, you know, and, mm -hmm. and logical concept. And, you know, people with HD TVs are certainly starting to catch up. I imagine most people listening yeah. to this podcast, for example, are like, yes, yes, letterboxing is the best. But there's this weird part of the population, like a huge part of the population who's just like, I don't like the black bars. Get rid of them. And that is yeah. so bizarre to me. But I had a lot of arguments as a teenager with people like, well, you see less of the screen. No, you don't. You, you see, see more. more. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember having an uncle who, you know, he, he would say that. I'm like, no, you see more. And he's he was just one of those guys who could never lose an argument. He's like, well, what about the fact that you lose resolution and, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> you've got a point there, honestly. That's that is a good point. I, I will. But I would sacrifice resolution for composition. So, yes. So anyway, what. What does this have to do with Star Trek? In terms of like aspect ratios, to me, though, the reason why I care about them so much, I mean, part of it is just sort of this, this thing where it's like it was one of the first, you know, sort of filmmaking concepts that I understood, you know, growing up. But aside from that, now, the reason why I'm still obsessed with aspect ratios is, I think, mainly because I see them as sort of being, I mean, movies are such a, 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 a broad field. You know, you can do so many things in movies and, and you can tell stories in so many different ways and everything like that. And the aspect ratio to me is like one of the few sort of limitations or quite literally like boundaries that you have in mm -hmm. terms of movies. And that screen and the shape of that screen, it's like you can do anything that you want on that screen, but it needs to fit inside this box, you know? And there's just something about that, like we are going to create a, a new world, you know, or a new civilization, if you prefer, or whatever, you know, a new galaxy. And, and yet everything that we do has to exist inside of this little box. This and, window, yeah, if you will. Right. And you can, you can do whatever you want inside there, but once you step outside, you know, it's the real world. And I, there's just something about that which, which I like, you know, it fascinates me. So, mm-hmm. So what does this have to do with Star Trek? Star Trek is one of those weird cases where aspect ratios are, you know, they're very standardized. You know, the industry has standards and, and there's a set of, you know, like, th let's say three main aspect ratios that almost all movies fit into or TV shows or whatever. And yet Star Trek has a weird history with aspect ratios um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of exceptions in the Star Trek universe. So it's kind of a good, you can, you can easily look at sort of the variations and the interesting aspects of aspect ratios by looking at Star Trek. So that's what mm -hmm. we're doing today. Let's, let's just start at the very beginning with the original series. Right. Now, television back in the day, up until basically HDTV, had an aspect ratio of 1.33 to 1, or 4 to 3 across. The reason for that is because that's what the aspect ratio of movies were back in the day. 
Uh, they were one three. Like Gone with the Wind and uh, Wizard of Oz and stuff. Yeah, technically those were one three seven to one, but uh, it, the the difference was so small that it, it was it was basically the same thing. And I mean, okay. TVs TVs naturally, I think, are much more rounded. You know, like mm-hmm. like a, like a a video tube should theoretically be a circle. That would make the most sense, right? That'd but be hard to film. <laughs> it it would be hard to film in in some ways, but uh, you know they they were like everyone's used to to one three three. We're going to be showing movies on this television set and everything like that. So let's make it one three three to one. And basically, the way that they did that is they kind of cropped the edges, so you just didn't see the whole picture. You mm-hmm. know, now Star Trek was shot. The original series was shot in on thirty-five millimeter film, which has the the native one three three to one ratio, and then it was you know broadcast on on TV. But the thing about old TVs, and really going up to basically up until you get to HD TVs, was um, because of that cropping, and also because of sort of variations in in the TVs and the fact that it wasn't you know as standardized as it is now. Um, you were always losing picture. Mm-hmm. So, so like they, they would protect the image and when they shot it, they would have two borders around the image. One was action safe, which, you know, said like, okay, chances are everyone is going to be seeing the stuff which is inside of this box, but don't put anything important outside of the box because people probably aren't going to see it. And then they had title safe which was an even smaller box inside where they said, okay, some TVs are going to be really bad and the action safe stuff is going to be, you know, you're not even going to be able to see that. But title safe, you know, everybody should have this part of the image and you can stick your titles in there and not have to worry about cutting them off so people aren't going to be watching Tar Tree, you know. They're always going to be (laughs) seeing Star Trek. So... Or you definitely don't want to cut off the end of your advertising if you've got on-screen advertising. Which is probably more important. Yes, yes. Good Good point, good point. So now that we have modern technology, you know, as, as the years have progressed, you know, TV technology got better and better and less and less of that image was being cropped. So now when you're watching the original series in HD, you're seeing the entire image which was filmed. Mm-hmm. So if you look at if you if you're watching an episode or if you look at screen caps and everything like that you'll see that there's a lot of empty space on the borders of the image like whenever there's a close up unless they're trying to do like an extreme close up with people you know where you're basically just getting their face like you'll see you know a a good few inches of of headroom depending on how big your TV is you know to make sure that they're not cutting off people's heads you know, and, yeah. and it's almost like, I mean, it's the type of thing where you, you don't really notice it unless you're looking for it. But if you're looking for it, you're like, wow, there's really nothing going on around the sides of that picture. Well, what's interesting to me and something that I notice is like uh, news programs still shoot, uh, you know, like standard definition safe. So it's really like, sure, it fills your screen, but there's nothing going on beyond the the four by three crop that they're going to have in the middle of the screen. Right. Yeah. I mean, you see that on uh, 
sports broadcasts too, where like they'll have the little bugs in the corners, mm-hmm. but they don't the go bugs out. Bugs go all the way to the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, so that's that's kind of what's going on there. But it is kind of cool how now, you know, we we are getting to see everything that was shot, and it's not the type of thing where you're not supposed to see that stuff. I mean, I they they were protecting for everything, but it was more like let's shoot this image, but let's also keep in mind that people probably aren't going to be seeing the stuff on the sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in the Next Generation one, uh, there's a lot of instances where they show you why it can't be widescreen by showing you all the stuff that's outside the action safe area. So they actually do, I think, do a little bit of cropping, even in TOS, to make sure that you don't see stuff that's outside the, the frame. They probably do. Yeah, that's probably true. And, you know, like on uh, the 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 um, Next Generation DVDs, I don't know what they did for the Blu-rays, but for the DVDs where, you know, that show was transferred to video and then edited on video before being output. So they had already done all of the stuff which was designed for being shown on a standard definition TV. And now that that you know, we are seeing more. There's numerous instances in the next generation era shows where when you're watching the DVDs or the Netflix versions or whatever, you can see boom mics, you know, at the mm-hmm. very top edge or, or, or maybe a light stand or something like that. You don't really see that too much in, in the original series. No. I think because um, I think they're a, a bit more conscious of it. And uh, I think probably when they were doing the editing on the original series, they were watching it on film. So if they had seen a microphone or stuff, they'd be like, there's a microphone there. Whereas by the time the editors and the post-production people on Next Gen got the footage, it had already been processed to the point that when they were watching it on their TV, they wouldn't have seen that microphone, which we do see now. Right. You know? So the animated series, it was also done in 133 because, you know, it was done for television and and it was animated and and everything like that instead of being shot on, um, you know, video and and stuff. So you you are probably seeing more on those things than than they did back in the 70s as well. So in 1979, Star Trek makes the leap to the the big screen, right? Mm -hmm. With Star Trek the motion picture. And they wanted to try to make the movie as epic as possible and everything like that. So with movies, there's essentially, to simplify it, two aspect ratios. One is 1.85 to 1, which is very close to the shape of your standard HD TV today. And the second is 2.39 to 1, which is anamorphic widescreen, which is... Cinemascope or whatever, and, and the, that's what the, the Star Trek movies essentially were shot at. We'll get into that in a second. But that's what, you know, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, most of the big blockbusters you see today, they were in that ratio. And that's where when you're watching movies on your HDTV today, you'll see black bars. It's mm-hmm. on the top and bottom. It's because it's in that wide ratio. And the thing about Cinemascope is it always kind of signaled big screen you know the curtains on on the screen would open up even further and it would just be this this huge wide image which would practically surround you and you know just uh, encompass all of your senses and 
it's it's sort of like the signal of of a big screen filmmaking adventure and that's obviously what they wanted to do with star trek the motion picture what's interesting to me is that they made the screens wider like like he said at first tvs were were made to show the aspect ratio of films that were shown in theaters but then when people the movie theaters decided to start making things wider so that you would get it would be more theatrical and then we made our TVs wider and yeah. I'm still waiting for I'm still waiting for the the surround screen to come back stuff you can't replicate at home well they are there's uh, I forget what it's called but um, there is a thing where it is sort of like a three paneled screen and I guess the first movie which is going to be released in that format is the maze runner so okay yeah, they are definitely doing that, and that's so why they're you, actually trying that again. That's great, yeah, and that's why you see things like D box, you know, where your seats mm-hmm. move. And I, I heard there's some some new thing that they did for Transformers Four, where there's only like one theater in LA that has it, but it's essentially like a a motion simulator, and it has like water <laughs> effects and smoke what? effects and everything. It sounds pretty cool, actually, but um, I'd be curious. And that's that's always, you know, there's always sort of that escalation, you know, surround sound in theaters. Okay, mm-hmm. well, now let's put surround sound in the home and, you know, 3D. I mean, that was the reason for 3D, you know, coming up. Another reason to get people out of their homes and into theaters. And now, I mean, well, I've got a 3D theater or 3D uh, screen sitting across the, the room from me. So Yeah, but you don't have the, now they're like, okay, surround sound with speakers in the ceiling. So, you know, try to do that at home. <laughs> well, they just announced the first Dolby Atmos receiver is going on the market. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Later this year. Poor theaters. <laughs> they just can't win, right? <laughs> so, so Star Trek, the motion, motion picture. Yeah. Yes. Obviously was shot in, in um, widescreen anamorphic 2.39 to 1. And by the way. This is like my thing. This is, I mean, this is what's going to be on my tombstone when I die. It's going to say <laughs> Mike R. Schindler, even though that's not my middle initial. Um, <laughs> it's 2.3921, damn it. Because it's not, not 2.35, like I say every time. Right. It was 2.35 up until like the mid 70s, and then they changed it, and now it's 2.39. And people. Sometimes acknowledge the change, the change, and say, "Yeah, two point four zero. It's not two point four zero. It's two point three nine. I don't <laughs> care how you round it. It's still two point three nine. It will always be two point three nine. Well, maybe not, but it is now, and it has <laughs> been for the past forty years. So, two point three nine to one. Okay, two point three nine to one. All right, got it. <laughs> and that's that's what what Star Trek the motion picture was. Now, what's interesting about that is, you know, obviously, like we were saying before, when you put it onto a normal 4x3, 133 to 1 TV, the image needs to be cropped. You know, you lose uh, almost half of the picture uh, unless you letterbox it. And back Mm -hmm. in 1979, people weren't letterboxing, you know. So so you would lose that image, and, and that really was a reason to see it on the big screen because you get to see the full picture and the full composition, whereas at home, you're only seeing like half of the picture. And they actually used that to their advantage with the motion picture because in 1983, uh, when the, the movie, I think, debuted on ABC, 
they decided to make it special and release an extended cut with a bunch oh, yeah. with a bunch more footage. This isn't the director's cut that we're talking about. This is um something that Robert Wise, the director and and all of the, the filmmakers had nothing to do with. This was all the stuff where they were like that's that scene doesn't work. We we definitely can't put that in the movie because yeah. that's terrible. That doesn't make any sense. He's wearing a different colored spacesuit in that scene. Oh, well, obviously <laughs> we can't do that. And 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 they they stuck all of this footage like 12 minutes worth of footage back into the movie. And they they showed it on TV and then they released it on home video. And that was the version that you could on, the only version that you could get on on videotape from like 1983 onward. Except they couldn't release that in widescreen when they when they decided to I think it was when Star Trek V came out they decided to re-release the original movies in letterbox for the first time on laserdisc you know you could finally see the full mm-hmm. image with Star Trek the motion picture they couldn't do their precious extended cut they needed to do the theatrical cut and the reason was because one of those scenes which they cut out which which shouldn't have been in the movie in the first place that they stuck back in you could actually see the edge of the set on yeah. on on the, <laughs> the 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 thing and when you cropped it you could crop out the edge of the set so so in that in that instance you could be like well we can stick this in the movie because you can't see but for the widescreen version you know no i mean there you you that's that's yeah, all of a sudden they're scaffolding Angeles. because it was they were going to make a matte painting of it right so that version has never and will never exist in widescreen yeah unless unless they decide to go back and you know digitally matte right a digital matte painting or something which they but w- the scene is pointless so who cares yes yes just like that cut so luckily that cut has sort of now it's it basically doesn't exist anymore lost to time yes <laughs> although that is the that cut is the first star trek thing i ever saw that that extended that almost turned you off of star trek can. forever yeah. so yeah and 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 pan- not give it too much credit no no but when 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 we do uh talk about cropping or whatever you know it's called pan and scan just in case anyone in case we refer to that later on which we probably will you know people know what we're talking about so there's the first week. Because, because not only do they crop the sides sometimes, but sometimes they'll actually like move the frame, move the square frame across the widescreen to keep something in frame. Right. It's very, they don't do that very often. No. And, and like, it, well, that, that in, instance that we were talking about in The Empire Strikes Back where the guy dies and his transmission goes away. Uh, in the original pan and scan version, they just had it cropped so that you never see the guy. But when they redid it uh, for 1993, I think it was, when they re-released the movies or whatever, 95, mm-hmm. they actually started on that guy and then panned over to everyone else so that you did see it when it was <laughs> in 4 by 3 So there's actually an art to it. There's a lot of directors back then who would want to personally supervise the pan and scan transfer of their movies to make sure that they wouldn't be butchered even more than they already were being butchered but uh yeah it's mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting but evil <laughs> for the most part okay so star trek's two through five were all shot 
in the same format as the motion picture, anamorphic widescreen. However, they were released in 70 millimeter as well as 35 millimeter. Now, okay. the motion picture was going to be released in 70 millimeter. That was definitely the thing to do back then and certainly something that they wanted to do for a movie as epic as the motion picture. However, they ran out of time. They didn't even have time to finish editing the movie or, or do the effects, <laughs> you know, because they needed to get it out by that release date. So the motion picture was only released in 35 millimeter because they never had time to, to do the 70 millimeter prints. But Star Trek's two through five did have 70 millimeter prints. And the thing about 70 millimeter is it has a slightly different aspect ratio than 35 millimeter anamorphic. Now, to go back a little bit, for those people who don't know, 35 millimeter film is the standard which was used for, you know, the better part of the last century. Pretty much if you were going to see a movie at any time in your life up until like 2005, (laughs) you were probably seeing it on 35 millimeter. But for the big blockbusters and the big epics and everything like that, they would oftentimes release movies in 70 millimeter, which was basically a format which was twice as large as 35 millimeter, which allowed for more resolution and, and a higher quality image. And also the big thing up until the 90s was much better sound quality, um, mm-hmm. you know, a quality which which sort of rivals digital in, in a lot of ways. So. Star Trek's two through five, all released in 70 millimeter. The only uh, downside to 70 millimeter is that the aspect ratio was slightly shorter than uh, anamorphic widescreen. So instead of being 2.39 to one, it's 2.2 to one. So, oh. so what you would have to do is crop just a little bit off the sides in order to get the image to um, fit on the entire frame. Sometimes they would letterbox it ever so slightly, but most of the time it was cropped. So if you saw a movie in 70 millimeter, which was definitely the, the way that they would want you to see it because of all the other benefits, you were missing just a teensy tiny bit off the sides. Nothing that anyone would ever really notice or care about, but it was there. Hmm. So you could say that maybe the definitive original aspect ratios of those movies were 2.2 to 1 and not 2.39 to 1. However, I think it's clear that they composed it for 2.39 to 1, and that's how yeah. it should exist on these future formats. Well, hold on. I thought that one of the earlier movies, 2 or 3, at least on home video, is a different aspect ratio. Yeah. Oh, here's the, the, the dirty little secret about uh, Star Trek movies on home video. They've pretty much always botched that. <laughs> <laughs> going back to Laserdisc, and that was a big thing. Like with Laserdisc, you know, even though that was the best format uh, in the history of video formats, it, it had some limitations in terms of uh, quality. And people were watching them on TVs, which were much smaller than what we have now. And lots of times, whether with or without the uh, the filmmaker's consent, I think, there was a thing going on where uh, whoever was doing the transfers would sometimes put the, the image up on the screen and say, wow, that's really small. How, let's, let's make that a little bit bigger. And they would, hmm. they would, you know, basically crop it just a little bit in order to get that a few extra lines of resolution out of it and make it bigger. And Star Trek discs were kind of notorious for that. Um, two 
two and three were okay. I think it was four had had a few issues, and I think maybe the transfer for four was done earlier because that was one of the first movies which was released on VHS letterboxed. You could get mm. like a special director's edition, and they actually had a thing on there explaining the letterboxing process, and they had like a a tutorial sort of thing using the uh, the scene where they're all in the truck. The three mm-hmm. of them are sitting in the truck, and they're like, here, in, in widescreen, you can see all three of them, but in this one, you can only see two. Pick two. Who's, who's going <laughs> to lose, you know? So um, I, I have a feeling that, that that's one of the reasons why I think it was four was slightly cropped. But isn't there an aspect ratio shift at, like, the beginning of Star Trek three? Like, the, the, the Star Trek two one is in a different... In, in almost, I don't know, maybe it's a two, two to one. And then it's, it like expands out just ever so slightly when the credits start. Yeah. I don't know why they did that. It's weird. But yeah, th- there is a weird thing at the beginning there. And, and you would see things like that all the time, especially like involving credits and stuff like that. There'd be like lots of times you would see um, movies where the image would be slightly smaller and shrunk down to make sure that all of the credits would fit on the screen. And then once the movie started, it would expand out a little bit more you would even see that on like four by three movies like citizen kane the credits there'd be like a little black border around the screen in order to accommodate that that uh action safe and title safe area that Mm -hmm. uh that we were talking about before and the star trek three thing i don't remember exactly what it was and i don't remember exactly why they did it but it was a weird little anomaly but not nearly as weird as the anomalies which exist in the various versions of Star Trek VI. What? Yeah, but that's that's a whole other thing, and perhaps we should we should hold off on that until next week. Sounds like a good idea. Okay. Well, it was fun talking about uh, the the beginning of Star Trek aspect ratios today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Oh, I'm just going to say this up front. I don't know if it's Koenig or Koenig. I've heard both. I'm going to mm-hmm. go with Koenig, but if I'm wrong, just pretend I said Koenig the whole time. And I'll go with Koenig. All right. And then, so our base is covered. So we'll both, yes, okay. one of us will be right. Earl Grey. They're like, we're supposed to be decommissioned. And Kirk's like, second star to the right. <laughs> and then, like, what happens after that moment? They're like... They just start like five minutes later. It's like, well, (laughs) I guess we do have to turn around (laughs) (laughs) to the journey to the journey is community. And that's what you find with Star Trek. And that's why we do what we do. And that's why we love it. When you guys write us, find us on Twitter. And that's why we're all friends on Trek.fm is because we have this sense of community. And that's what it brings. It's not just about a show. It's about each other. Warp five. Mm-hmm. Archer's way is the right way. He mm-hmm. brings the light. She mm-hmm. walks into the light to talk to Archer because then she is enlightened because he is an enlightened man. Mm-hmm. She walks back into the darkness and retreats back into her world to pick up the slates and go teach the mm-hmm. kids about the humans and the Skagarans and all that kind of stuff. Commentary Trek Stars. I think it would be fun in order for, in order to prove my point would be like to us have us play a game of Monopoly and also two players entirely determined by randomness. Two fictional players would be Mike, Max, Blue, and Green. Continuing mission. When we made the audio drama, it was a fairly straightforward transition. Let's call this ship the Excelsior. Let's make it the fourth one to bear the name. Let's put it in the Delta Quadrant. But 
uh, now that we're there, um, I'm really happy with a lot of those things. Melodic tracks. Second marriage took place in August the 6th, 1963, to Camille J. Williams, a Las Vegas dancer, and they had two children. And yes, I know, he divorced and married in the same year. I ain't gonna go anywhere near that. You draw your own conclusions. Literary tricks. I think I posited the idea that Wall was kidnapped, and Margaret just said in her Margaret E. way, she just said, Moriarty. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit www.trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Uh, we got some feedback from T-Pain. I doubt that it's the rapper, but it could very well be the rapper. Yeah, I didn't realize that he was a, a Star Trek fan, but that's cool. He says, I enjoyed your discussion of Michael Straczynski and Bruce Sable's reboot of the Star Trek universe. Most of their ideas were quite compelling, and particularly bringing in top-notch sci-fi and other writers in addition to staff writers. However, the worst and most anti-Star Trek idea they had was changing the Prime Directive from a non-interference directive to an ends-justifies-the-means directive. It's hard to think of something that so fundamentally goes against the values of the Federation and indeed Star Trek itself. The Federation is not an empire. It does not force other species to be part of it or to interact with it. The Federation consists of voluntary members that respect the right of non-members to be left alone and to govern themselves as they see fit. I've always felt that there are many untold stories to tell in the Star Trek universe that explore the wisdom of the Prime Directive. Such stories would help Trek do what it does at its best, consider important issues that impact our world and time. Prime Directive is a principle that the USA should take to heart, given the disastrous history of the constantly intervening in countries and the great suffering it has caused the people of these countries and the people of the United States. Just a few examples, Iran in 1953, Vietnam in 61 to 75, Chile in 73, various interventions in Central America, a major reason for the child refugees now coming to our borders, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Yeah, it, it's, it's a good point. You know, I, I can understand uh, how that might betray the, the values of Star Trek. I, I'm not really sure that, that they, I mean, did they really have like a by any means necessary prime directive? I mean, I guess it they was, kind of did state that. What it said specifically was that as long, they could do whatever they needed to do to get to the secret, the chase of, I, of the, the, the code behind life, the Prometheus. I wonder how that would have played out in the series itself. Because I, I imagine they would have altered that. Maybe, maybe instead of Kirk fighting the Prime Directive because he wants to change societies, maybe it would have been Kirk fighting the Prime Directive not wanting to change these societies. Yeah, yeah. Because that would be an interesting dynamic the other way around. Look, you have to do whatever you have to do, whatever it takes to find the answers to the life, the universe, and everything. Mm -hmm. And maybe there will be times where he's leaving people alone against Star Trek order or against Starfleet orders. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, I'm sure they would have thought of that. And I imagine that would have been one of the first things to go. But uh, if you would like to contact us and share your thoughts on today's show or any of our other shows, you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the button on the left-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. 
In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and on Twitter under username trekfm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? You can find me right here on trek.fm, where I do commentary Trek Stars with uh, Max, and you can also find me on commentarytrekstars.com, where I do Off Topic with Max and Brandon, or you can find me on Twitter at mumbles3k. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. You can find me on various other places around the network. And don't forget that we're both going to be at Dragon Con August 31st. Yeah. We've got a couple of reviews in iTunes. Uh, The first one we'll read is, Great discussion of the original, and still the best, by Big Orange Michael. I wonder if he's from uh, Tennessee. Go Big Orange. Sports. Classic Trek is my favorite incarnation of Star Trek, and this podcast celebrates all the good, the bad, and the ugly of the series. Compelling conversation, intelligent discussion, and lots of opinions. Even if I disagree, I still find the conversation to be interesting, and it does what any good Trek podcast should do, give you a desire to visit the series again. Thanks, Big Orange. Go Uh, Big Orange, Michael. Yeah, uh, we really appreciate that. We've got another review here. Can't Live Without My Trek FM by... A91R8H8. Okay. I'm assuming that he's a droid or she. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. I've been listening to some Trek of Him's podcasts since early last year. I listen to them while I'm driving on my way to and from school. I find myself so engrossed in the conversation and I wish I was there. The people who work on this podcast are real Trekkies slash Trekkers too, making the conversation all the more interesting because of their knowledge of Star Trek lore. So thank you A91R8H8. Yeah, we appreciate lovely that. review. Yeah. I'm glad we can entertain you on your way to school. That's cool. Hopefully we aren't uh, swirling around in your head while you're trying to learn because, you know, <laughs> that, that, that could be bad. Yeah. What's the aspect ratio of this chalkboard? Oh. <laughs> well, reviews are very important to us, not only because we like to hear what you think about the show, but because it helps impact how we place in iTunes and Stitcher. Reviews make it easier for other Star Trek fans to find our shows. We know that it does take some extra time to visit iTunes and Stitcher to write the reviews, so as an added incentive to share your thoughts on our show, we're giving away some great prizes as part of a month-long promotion. These include a seasons of Star Trek, Your Choice, on Blu-ray or DVD, an official Starships collection shipped from Japan, complete with Japanese magazines, Star Trek novels, and a full collection of our alien art badges. We've actually expanded the review promotion, and now it ends... On midnight Pacific time, Sunday, August 17th. So there's still some times to get in some reviews. Got some extra time to fill out the form so that you can possibly win some of this cool stuff. We've even added a new giveaway item for those who reviewed the official Star Trek Axonar podcast. It's a set of three beautiful embroidered patches, compliment of Alex Peters and Axonar, which I'm jealous. I, I want a set. Yeah, they look really cool. Winners will be drawn at random from all entries received from before midnight Pacific time on August 17th. All you need to do to enter is leave us a rating and review on iTunes and or Stitcher. You can only leave one review per show, of course, but you can review multiple shows and do so on both iTunes and Stitcher. And for each review, you'll receive one entry in the drawing. Remember that you can also review the master feed and that'll give you an entry as well. So there are two steps. Leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher and then visit www.trek.fm slash review and complete the form. Yeah. It, it's really easy. Yes. Totally worth it. It's totally worth it. And we're totally jealous that we can't be part of it. Yeah. And it's kind of tacky to review your own show. 
So we're looking forward to hearing from you, and thank you for your support. Before we go, we'd also like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you every week. And that sponsor is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive Federation and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what choice do you have for everyone today? Well, my book for today is called Before I Forget, Directing Television, 1948-1988, to written and narrated by James Sheldon. It's five, hmm. five hours and 58 minutes, um, unabridged, and it says, James Sheldon was directing the radio show We the People when it became the first commercial CBS network program to telecast nationally on June 1st, 1948. Since then, he has experienced the technological change from live to electronic tape to film, from black and white to color, from a few hundred thousand to the multi-millions of television sets in use today. His early live credits include dramatic series like Robert Montgomery Presents the Studio One, comedies like Mr. Peepers, and musicals like Don Amesh's Holiday Hotel. He was part of the move from New York to Los Angeles as television productions shifted west in the mid-50s. And I imagine he has a number of interesting stories to tell and probably gets into aspect ratios for at least like two or three chapters straight. Yeah, two or three of those hours is probably just All aspect about aspect ratios. ratios. And you can get this book for free on Audible since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. So be sure to tune in next week when we continue our discussion on aspect ratios. We'll finish up the franchise, we'll touch on the other things, but basically six and then the, the new movies, which uh, have some very interesting aspect ratio stuff going on. The best is yet to come. We've laid the groundwork. You know, th- this was our Star Wars of aspect ratios. Next week is going to be our Empire Strikes Back of aspect ratios. No pressure. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov. Take us out of orbit ahead, warp factor one. Hi, sir.